Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. We spoke last week about the power of loving where you live and how so often as people, maybe if you're a learner especially, you're always thinking, I want a profound truth today. I want something deep that just lightens me up, opens my eyes. And, and so it's interesting, um, we look at the, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the people who were all into um, the deep theology, as you would say, that maybe you could call them the pastors or the priests of that day, in the churches of that day, in their context. Uh, they, they too used to challenge Jesus and wanted profound truths, and they were actually trying to catch him out. And there, there was an occasion where they'd done this, and they thought they were going to catch him by, hey, what's the greatest command or the law? Or, uh, and he actually came out of that framework and brought it back to the heart and, and the real reason to why God has, I believe, called us to live. And it was to, hey, you're designed as human beings to love God and to love your neighbor. And I think sometimes if you're like me, you've glossed over the kind of love God and love people because it's so broad. It's just like a, it's, it's so, it's not, it's not precise enough sometimes that we kind of gloss over it and just love everyone. Well, that's kind of a, a general statement in a way. Uh, but, but actually Jesus said, love your neighbor, which is quite precise. And we looked last week about how when we look into the original context and language of that word neighbor in the original language, it actually means those that are near. And so it doesn't mean, if you're like me, sometimes you think, right, it's just the people at work or the people I'm rubbing shoulders with. In some ways, that's true. But actually, if you want to be more precise and go to the very nearest, you look at those who actually live next door. <laughs> like, that's where really it should begin. And then we talk about people at work, and then we, we think about uh, there's those further afield. Of course, God wants us to love everyone. But there's something in that whole neighbor thing. And we, 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 we pressed into it. And when we look at the great commandment, we always have to look at it in context because the, the mission that Jesus left the church with was the great commission, which, which was essentially to make disciples, bapti- baptizing people, which we done last week, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's the context of why we love God and why we love people. There's a mission, and how we execute the mission is by loving God and loving our neighbor. So then the question was, well, what is our neighbor? How do we get laser focused on what a neighbor is and define that? Because we can't define it, then we're probably not going to do it. We give the example about how sometimes we just want to get fit, we want to get healthy, we want to go to the gym. And we think by just being in the gym or around the vicinity of the gym, we're just going to get automatically fit. And the reality is we don't. If you're like me, you end up just talking and having a bit of banter and trying to avoid the actual work. And so if we don't have a precise, I shared the example of my wife and how what's really helped her to move forward in her fitness journey recently is she went to a one-to-one or, or, or like personal coaching where, where it's more precise, it's more laser focused, it's, there's more accountability there. It's, it's, and she's now starting to feel impact, even though her back's a little bit sore today. Um, I think that's the same with loving our neighbor. If it's just this broad thing, just be around it and just kind of hope for the best. Often it doesn't actually work. We never actually get the results that we want because there's no real plan, there's no precision, and therefore there's no impact. Then we looked at an incredible study which was done out of actually a, a bunch of people in a place called Rosetto. 
Um, and in this village of Italian people, they found that for some reason, they couldn't figure it out, and this is why they'd done the research, the, the, the disease, the heart disease in this area was way lower than everywhere else, even neighboring towns and, and cities. And so they'd done research in the 60s to try and find out why. And what they found out why was that their, was that their dad was no different, that their, their fitness or, or their way of life was no different to anyone else in neighboring towns or cities. The only thing they could put it down to was the community spirit, how people loved each other. Their, neighbor, their neighbors actually loved one another. They had a rich community environment. And that was the, that was the, actually, that was the conclusion of their research. That there was something so powerful in loving your neighbor that it was actually impacting people's health in all sorts of ways. So maybe when we strip it back 2,000 years ago, maybe Jesus, when he was, was saying, love God and love your neighbor, maybe there was something more profound in that than actually what meets the eye. Maybe it's not a gloss over just love everyone kind of statement. Maybe it's precise. Maybe it's actually look after the person next door. Maybe that's where we should begin. What does the person next door say about me? Are they glad I'm here? Are they sad? I'm here. Some of you are like, oh, man. <laughs> is this, this is going to be a long one this morning. Also, there's a lot of problems right now. And some of you may know this with, with isolation, that when people are isolated, I was talking to someone during the week, and that was their issue, that they're feeling disheartened, discouraged, and disconnected, and it has effect on their mental health, and it was all connected with isolation. And obviously, the solution to that would be to have some people around them that love their neighbor, because that would create a community spirit and would deal with the issue, the, the amount of issues that come out of isolation, social isolation, just feeling alone. There's all kinds of physical manifestations of, of sickness, um, mental problems. It's not, it's not normal. It's not God's design for us to be alone. And so this even puts more value on loving our neighbor. So today I want to talk about neighbors who love. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you, Father, that your plans are always better than our plans. And I just pray and ask, God, that you would help us to see that and help us to make some practical steps towards living that out, uh, that we would see your blessing upon our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone said? Amen. amen. So I'm going to give a, 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 I'm going to read a scripture here in 1 Peter. I want to give a little bit of context of what's going on. Uh, really, 1 Peter is speaking to Christians who have, probably a lot of them have been spread out uh, in, in different locations, but they're in locations that don't really, aren't taken to Christianity. They're facing persecution. They're facing all kinds of resistance from who? Their neighbors. <laughs> the people they're now living beside uh, don't really want to hear that there's Christians living next door. And so this is what Paul wants to say to them. And so let's, let's pay attention in verse 10, it says this, the one who wants to enjoy life and see good days. Anyone here? <laughs> it says good weather apparent or not. This is the AMP version, which gives a little, little bit more description. Uh, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile, treachery, or deceit. He must turn away from wickedness and do what is right, which would make me think that there's probably a temptation to do something wicked to your probably neighbor. 
He must search for peace, meaning it's not going to just be in front of you. You must search for it with God, with self, and with others. Pursue it eagerly. So put great effort into it actively, not merely, not merely just desiring it. I just want to be fit. I just want to be healthy. I just want to be better. Don't just merely just want it. Get an action plan. For the eyes of the Lord are looking favorably upon the righteous, the upright. So God looks favorably, gives you favor when you do things His way and do it right. And His ears are attentive to their prayer, meaning God hears your prayers more when you're doing things His way. Meaning God's got a plan with loving your neighbor. It's not just a random statement that He just thought would, be, would sound nice. He's like, no, there's actually there's consequences with this. There's massive impact if you live this out. And his ears are attentive to their prayer, eager to answer. So God wants to answer your prayer, but if you're not doing things his way, you're actually becoming an obstacle to God moving in your life. But the face of the Lord is against those who practice evil, meaning they don't have God's blessing. God can't provide, can't, God can't open doors for those who don't do things his way. Now, who is there to hurt you if you become enthusiastic for what is good? It's very hard to get mad at someone who's always doing good and always has a pure heart. And even when you hate them, they still <laughs> are not hating you back. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, because sometimes you will, though it is not certain you will, you're still blessed, happy to be admired and favored by God because he's your chief concern. Do not be afraid of their intimidating threats. This is what's happening here. They're getting intimidating threats. People are coming forward boldly. Nor be troubled or disturbed by their opposition. But in your hearts set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him. So this is what, Paul, this is what um, the writer is trying to point the people in this area and this region towards. Saying, if you want a solution... Don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on what should be or what shouldn't be. Don't focus on this isn't fair. Focus, on, focus your hearts on Christ. As holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives as Lord. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and the, confidence, the confident assurance elicited by faith that is within you. We spoke about that last week about sharing your story doing what you can, use what's in your hand. Through a party, we, we looked at how Levi threw a party. He was a tax collector. He, was, he, came for, he had a bad rep. He, just done, he invited all his friends who were, had probably a bad rep as well, and he just done what he could. He threw a banquet. Now watch this. We're nearly finished, by the way. There's just a lot of good stuff in this. Um, there's within you, yet do it with gentleness. Everyone said Gentleness. Do it with gentleness and respect. And see to it that your conscience is entirely clear. So that every time you are slandered or falsely, falsely accused, those who attack or disparage your good behavior in Christ will be shamed. They'll feel guilty because what they're expecting of you is to bite back. But if you don't, then they now have to play with, oh, I just wronged that person and I feel bad about it. And the conscience will start to perk up. But if you pay them back wrong for wrong, then they'll feel like it's evens. For it is better that you suffer unjustly for doing what is right 
If that should be God's will, then to suffer justly for doing wrong. So the first point is something which our neighbor probably wants to see and would be surprised to see is that we have an extraordinary hope. Meaning it doesn't make sense that we have hope in situations where we're feeling um, we're under resistance, we're feeling uh, that people are persecuting us. The natural reaction is to bite. The natural reaction for us is to get pay evil for evil, is to get even. But it seems that Paul here is speaking to the people and saying, listen, if you want to show people Christ, and if you also want God's blessing on your life, it's not going to look the way the world looks. It's not going to look normal. It's going to look extraordinary, different. It, goes, it says in the middle of that scripture about you should always have a defense for your faith. And if we look back to the, the basics of what that word means, it's, an, it's a word apologia, which is some of you would understand uh, there's a word apologetics, which is the defense of the Christian faith. What, just a, a reason to why you believe. It's to give a hope for why you believe. So, so it's important that we understand that that hope, the word hope doesn't mean probably the word that we would say a lot today, which is I hope it doesn't rain today. Or I hope, you know, my team wins. I'm sure there's a lot of United supporters saying that at the minute. Or Porter Down supporters for that matter. It's just a wish. But the hope in Scripture is connected to a promise. It's a sure hope. It's not connected to just a any, many, many, mo. It's connected to, no, God has promised, and that's what I'm standing upon. I have a sure hope that, that God has promised me this, and so I'm standing upon it. I'm leaning on that hope. Another way, uh, Peter's speaking this way about that kind of hope, but then we see Paul uh, used another word, which is the word gospel. To bring the gospel is another term for that promise, to bring the good news. Let's actually look at, this is interesting, that the gospel, some of you will be surprised at this, but the gospel word is not a church word. (laughs) A lot of you are like, oh, the gospel, preach the gospel. That's actually not a churchy word. But from our understa- your understanding, maybe being brought up in church, it's connected to church for your Christianity, but it's nothing to really do with Christianity. Because if you look back to when that was brought about, it was brought, brought about in the first century, if an empire came back from a war, they would bring a gospel. And that gospel was to, to say that, hey, we've established and secured peace and rule in this region or this place, so therefore you're now safe. So we've brought what? Good news. Good news is we still have rule and we still have reign. So that is the gospel that we've brought to you in this occasion. We still have authority. So really what the gospel good news is about, it's declaring victory to the people. Is that, hey, you don't have to fight because the gospel is, the good news is here that we've won. And so what's this? So, so as believers, when we're trying to love our neighbor and love the world and love God, the gospel and the good news that we're sharing about Jesus is not that, hey, I'm inviting you to come and fight for Christianity. The gospel is, I want to let you know that Christ came and now has victory, has authority over death and the grave. 
So you're not saying, hey, come and fight us against the world and all those non-believers and all those people who are against us and different religions. No, you're actually inviting people to say, hey, do you want to receive the promise, the gospel, the extraordinary hope that Jesus died, rose again for your salvation, that you now have eternal life, your soul has peace. Amen. Can I get an amen? And so the beauty about this is it takes the pressure off you to try and fight your way into someone's good books, earn your way into someone's good books. All you have to do is invite people to say, hey, I want to share a gospel that there was a war against sin, that Jesus came for the whole world, for everyone. You can actually receive and have victory right now if you accept Jesus to be your king. The land in which you're living has victory in Jesus' name. I love that. You, you know, it's funny how we have this fight against the flesh and the spirit. Just recently, I just sold my car on Friday. I was getting weary. The miles were going up. I was like, I need to get this sold or it's not going to be worth anything. Uh, and so I got a guy to bat off me and give him a bit of discount on different things, but he put down a deposit. And then I was trying to get it ready for him and I was trying to get myself another car, which I haven't yet. And... He came to collect it, and on the day he was coming to collect it, I sent him through. I gave him a bit of discount. There's a few wee, wee things I had to give him a discount on. A wee LED light was flickering a bit, so I was like, here's a discount for that. And uh, so he sent, I says, right, we'll, we'll settle on this price. Sent him through the price, and he sent it through straight away. And I just assumed that he would take the deposit off the amount. As you, you know, I just thought he would do the math, right? If this is the total... I'll give you £200 for a deposit. I'll just take 200 minus the price. And that's what he was sending to my bank account via transfer. But he didn't. <laughs> he sent the full amount on top of the deposit. And so I'm in a dilemma. <laughs> because I'm happy. <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is class. He thinks he got the discount, but he didn't get the discount but he still feels good about the discount, and I got the full amount. So I'll be honest, I'd love to tell you it took me two minutes to kind of tell him about his error. It probably took me about a day before I wanted to pray about it. I just want to sit in like the hope that, oh, this is great. What a deal I just got. No, I think I gave him a good deal anyhow, so I had all sorts of reasons to justify why. You know what, it's worth that anyhow. I shouldn't have given him the discount before that. And I was going through my head. I wasn't thinking about it too deeply. I was just kind of, oh, that's cool. And then as soon as I started to think, oh, man, I've got to, got to, got to do my devotion. <laughs> hard, hard to come before the Lord honestly here if I'm not going to talk about what's pricking my conscience. Um, <laughs> and I knew straight away if I asked the Holy Spirit here, it's going to be like 0.1 second before I know what to do. And uh, just kind of check with my wife. My, you know, what's the guy done? What do you think? You know, and she obviously confirmed what the Holy Spirit would say. <laughs> Says, all right, just text him right now. But it was just so interesting because you know what was happening? There was a battle between my flesh, my desire to keep it. And I had to ask myself, well, Phil, why do you actually want to keep it? Because I felt if I could have control, I would be blessed. And that I'd kind of thought for a second, no, no, God's way here the right way might, might mean I'm less blessed. And if we're honest in life, 
The reason we don't attach ourselves to the extraordinary hope that God has for us is because sometimes we believe the hope that we have on ourselves is better. Because <laughs> in that moment, I was thinking, I can do this better. God, I know what to do here. I'll keep the money. Don't you worry about your plans, about being righteous and being right standing and good character. Don't worry, Lord, it'll be fine. I can put that 200 to good use. And then I realized, and I look at my story of the past and how God has blessed me and, and given me favor in so many different scenarios, just as Peter is speaking here in the scripture. It's like, if you want favor, you trust God, you do things his way and not your way. Even though you're suffering, you still do it God's way. Even though it doesn't feel right because your neighbor's doing your head in and they're noisy and there's all sorts of things and you don't want to be gentle, gentle and you don't want to be respectful, do it God's way. There's a fight between the flesh and the spirit. And if you can exercise the spirit. See, when I started to pray, I was exercising the spirit. And straight away, I had to build my faith up. God, no, you are my provider. No, God, as much as I don't want to let go of the 200. As soon as I did, you know what I had? Just as Peter spoke about, a clear conscience came upon me instantly. As soon as I sent the money back, I'm free. <laughs> and not only am I free, I can actually bring good news with a clear conscience. I'm not sitting up here telling you one thing and doing the other. And then the shame is piled upon me even more as I go home because I know I'm lying to myself. In the same way, if we want to love our neighbor and be an example for Christ, well, let's continue to work on our conscience and doing things God's way. And listen, this is what I know, that especially when we talk about the principle of the tithe, this is what I learned from an early age when I was 17, that it's the same, same idea that God can do more with the 90% than I can do with the 100. That's what I've learned and I've applied and I've witnessed and I've experienced God's favor in that area of my life because I put him first. But there's a wrestle. <laughs> the same with the two, the same wrestle. And it's the same thing when we suffer and someone does us wrong. It's the same wrestle. But he doesn't deserve it. Of course he doesn't, but neither did you. Of course they don't, but neither did you. That's the principle of the cross. That Christ died for us. He fought the fight over sin to give us victory that we didn't earn, we didn't deserve, but we got it. For the wages of sin of death, but the gift of God is free. It's eternal life. It's a free gift. And when you start to get that in your heart and realize when I trust God, his ways are better, it, it invites favor into my life. It, it, it invites a clear conscience. Listen, you think about what kind of person, if you were uh, trying to hire someone, even to clean your house, hire someone for a job, what kind of person do you want? The person who does it his own way or the person who's going to give that He's going to trust God. It's very hard. A person that trusts God should be the most lovable, trustworthy, good character type person that you can find. But if we're honest, sometimes we, 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 we make it so broad. Love God, love people, love our neighbor. And, and what happens is we don't pinpoint and we let ourselves off and we give ourselves so much grace. Oh, but I need that. I need that. I'm, I'm struggling. Or, or, or that, they shouldn't have done that anyhow. My neighbor shouldn't be acting that way anyhow. Of course they shouldn't, but, but that's not what Paul, Peter's saying here. He's saying, no, no, you need to 
if you want God to bless you and to see and other people to see the Father's love and heart, and you want a community that is rich to the point where it can even affect people's physical, mental, social health. Well, if you actually look at the profound fact, fact that loving your neighbor can change all of that. And so it's good news that Christ has the victory. It's good news that we can trust God. It's good news that God can bring favor in our life. It's good news and it frees us and it changes us. Next point. Have you realized yet that not everybody is going to like you? Anyone realize that yet? I remember before I was coming, uh, when I was starting into the ministry, I had a guy who kind of helped me and would give me advice. And one of his, uh, before we started Aria Church, uh, one of his pieces of advice was, listen, Phil, before you start, I want to tell you something. 30% of people will probably like you. 30% of people will probably think you're okay. And there's 30% will come and they don't like you, but they're there for friends. Uh, or maybe just, there's good worship. He says, just want to be real with you. That's the reality. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Can't wait to start. But you know what? It's so freeing. Because my expectations are clear. Maybe you're down there like, oh man, does he know? But it's okay because my expectations are clear. I'm not going to be surprised. not going to be hurt. Because it's the truth. And it sets you free. And I'm not trying to ultimately please people. I'm trying to please God. And it's not that I'm not going to have great friendship circles and people that love me are dedicated around me. But the mission that's at hand isn't about me or you. It's about God bringing victory, a gospel to the people on the earth today to say, hey, we have victory over sin and death. Do you want to come under my kingship? Do you want to receive the free gift of life, of salvation. And I think one thing that, that Peter pointed out there in this message was to be gentle and respectful. Because let's be honest, obviously people here were being harsh and mad. And the Bible says that a harsh word stirs up wrath, causes more problems. It's bad packaging for the, for the gospel. <laughs> You know, when I'm going to look at cars at the minute, one of the first things I do is look at the, look at the picture of the car. And you can see straight away, they haven't even cleaned the car. I go, People are mad. The litter is dirty. You put it online, you try to sell something that's dirty. And then if you go to like a car showroom or a car dealer or a tradesperson or whatever, or even a private person, you kind of go in and, and things are hanging on by duct tape. <laughs> You're just kind of starting to see telltale signs of, right, if they've done that to their showroom, what have they done to this car? Or what's their levels of right living? Or have they even serviced this car? Is this car even legal if we go beneath the hood? Or is, it about to, is this about to blow up? Why? Because I think with the gentleness and respect thing, I think what Peter's telling them is saying, listen, the rapper matters. The gospel, the message of truth and of hope, it's worthy to have a good rapper, to have good packaging. It's worthy of the best Amazon packaging that you can get. Have you ever got like an Apple product? 
and how the beautiful, smooth, sleek boxes they come in. I'm working for Apple now. And it's all nicely padded and it doesn't shake around when you get it. It's, it's, it's been well thought out. It's, why? Because they know that the, the packaging is to protect what's inside, which is even more valuable. You know, a lot of times the packaging's thrown out. It's, it doesn't really matter in the end. But in the beginning, it could be the make or break. And I think this is what Peter's saying. Hey, do it with gentleness and respect. Yeah, your neighbor might be mad or there might be conflict. But if you're dealing with conflict, deal with it head on. But do it with gentleness and respect. That might be, be even in your relationship you're in right now. If you want solutions God's way, do it with gentleness and respect. Yes, face the problem. Yes, deal with it. Gentleness and respect. It invites God's favor. It invites God's best. It brings glory to his name. And it actually brings people into his kingdom. You know, some of the worst advertisements for Christ are Christians. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because we're not doing it with gentleness and respect. How do you get to that place? Well, you come back to what Peter said, the cross. Keep your focus on Jesus. Why? Because when you keep your focus on Jesus, you come back to, re uh, to the realization that, whoa, Jesus, you went to the cross while I was still a sinner, offending you. You were suffering on my behalf. And you still went because of the joy that was set before you endured the cross. So before I was ready, you'd done it anyhow. Before I was doing it with gentleness and respect, you went anyhow. And maybe God has called us to do the same for others. And, and realize, listen, they're, they're not the finished article. They're struggling emotionally. They're, they're lashing out. They're, they're, they're saying mean things but I'm the light of the world. The light of the world lives in me. I'm supposed to be the light and the salt of this world that I live in. I might be their only hope. I'm going to pray for them. I want to bless them, even though they're throwing spears at me, like King David experienced from Saul. I'm going to do it God's way anyhow. And what happened to King David? Because he wasn't king then, he was David. He became king. But the beauty about King David and Saul, the story there is that Saul was throwing spears at him out of jealousy. Might be your neighbor. You know what he done? He says, if, if I throw the spears back, I'm going to be a king who's just like Saul. For, to break the curse, he had to take the conflict. He had to take the wrongdoing and oppose it and do it a different way so that he would be a king that was after God's own heart. That, so that he would bring God's favor and blessing back onto the kingdom. And so that's why the, the secret of the kingdom of God that Jesus is trying to give us with those simple two commands is, hey, do things my way. I'll breathe on your family. I'll breathe on your situation. I'll breathe on, on the bitterness in your heart. I'll give you victory over it. And sometimes the victory will come through a season of suffering. And that's okay, because that's where we grow. And that's where we actually are called out. Do we actually trust God? And that's where we have a testimony in every test. But we have to pass the test. And I truly believe that God will bless and bring favor and you'll shine brightly. And even internally, you'll become stronger as a person, more Christ-like, more loving. 
says in Matthew 5 and 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and glorify your Father in heaven. I love this point. In the age and day that we live where we have online, social media, all this kind of stuff that's, that's we're all competing to be flashy and we're all competing to present ourselves and from a surface point of view, maybe in today's age, what I know what the kids need and what the youth need and research has shown is they don't actually, that social media is actually making them insecure and have all kinds of emotional problems, but what they actually are craving now is conversation. They actually don't really want a presentation as much as they want a conversation. And I think the same is also true as we present and love our neighbors. Maybe our, our neighbors don't want us to say our polished cars or that's not gonna impact them. They might be impressed, but maybe they want a conversation and. I think that small community and the Italian community, I think what really was going on there was conversation where they've seen all kinds of health benefits. I think the church cannot function without conversation, coming face to face, one to one, going through the ups and the downs together, mourning with people, celebrating with people, doing life. That's the richness of, of life. It comes in conversation. And so maybe I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life right now or or where you're feeling a conscience that needs cleared, I encourage you to, to trust God with that and to, to, not, to not do things just your way because you're blocking God's blessing in your life. You're blocking God's ability to shine through you. Uh, but maybe it looks like a conversation where you give people, give them hope and you give them grace. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.